everybody, and welcome back to That's Insane, a podcast where I talk about murder, medicine, and maybe more, but most definitely more because there's a lot of weird shit out there. I'm Aurelia, I am your host, and today I do have a guest to... <laughs> I almost said a guest today, so I literally almost... I, and today I do have a guest with me, you've heard her voice before, and let's welcome Jess. I'm back, bitches. <laughs> uh, so I just want to start this by saying thank you so much to everybody for all the support, all of the downloads, all of the follows. Again, be sure to rate and review as well because that boosts this podcast. And don't be selfish with this podcast. Let other people know about it. They deserve to hear it too. Let's get into today's... Today. <laughs> Let's get into today's case. Uh, disclaimer that I make on all of these is that this is not intended to be disrespectful. This is supposed to be a retelling of these victim stories because their stories do deserve to be told, but I want to do it in a respectful way. This is supposed to be just two friends discussing a case, you and me discussing a case, me and Jess discussing a case, but again, in a respectful manner. Trigger warning for this episode. This episode does contain rape so if that is something that is triggering for you i do not recommend this episode but you can listen to some of the other ones all right this is the case of candy Fonagay and john schneeberger does that those are right? i've never heard those names but those so are some names this is a forensic files episode oh, okay and she uh, I just love this lady. All right, so we'll start. It's a, it's a shorty, I would say. My sources were Wikiwand, Crime and Curiosities, which was a Tumblr post, Wikipedia, Forensic Tales, Forensic Files Now, and IFL, IFLScience.com. So on October 31st, 1992, 23-year-old Candace, a.k.a. Candy, Fonagy went to Kipling Medical Center in Canada looking for her best friend after, after having a fight with her boyfriend. When she realizes her friend isn't working at the time, she becomes hysterical, and the nurse advises Candy stay and see the doctor before leaving. The on-call doctor that evening was Dr. John Schneeberger, and during the examination, Dr. Schneeberger administered an injection to calm Candy down, which almost made her lose consciousness. Oh, good. When Candy came to, she had this feeling that she may have been sexually assaulted by the doctor. So she had a rape kit performed, which found evidence of semen, and a blood test revealed the presence of Versed, which is a strong sedative with an amnesic effect. But when Dr. Schneeberger was accused of the rape, he voluntary, voluntarily offered a DNA sample to compare to the DNA found in the rape kit, and it was not a match. Oh, Still, Candy was adamant that Dr. Schneeberger had raped her, and she was about to fight a very long uphill battle as no one in this small town of Kipling, which has like 1,100 people, believed her accusation. Was, so when they found the stuff... What well, stuff? The... I already forgot. The... The drug? Versed. versed. So, was that... Was that supposed to be in there with anesthesia, or would no, that no, no. typically... I'll get into what Versed is. Okay. A side note, there is a makeup brand or a skincare brand called Versed, and okay. every time that I pronounce their name, I always want to say Versed because of this med. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, like, actively think about it. 
So Candy Fonagy, I really couldn't find a lot about her. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I found was that she was a single mom who worked really hard at a gas station to support her family, and she had a reputation of being a partier. She's fucking 23. She's I hope she was a partier. Yeah, you like, need to go out and get a little... You gotta do what you gotta do. Right. It sounds like everybody in this town was... Oh, I literally said everyone sounds like prudes, which is exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. So, yeah. Um, but that's unfortunately all I could find. I couldn't find anything else. I think I saw that she, like, had a high school education, but I was like, why? Who, who gives a fuck? Can you hear the clicky clack of my dog? So let's get back to the investigation. Basically, like I said, Candy had this entire town against her because Dr. Schneeberger was a very well-respected figure in the community. Many people in the town accused Candy of lying, um, stating that she had a crush on the doctor. Because, you know, when you have a crush on somebody, you accuse them of rape. Right. And she was being, she was retaliating because she was rejected. They found semen inside of her. Well, but they, I mean, they probably were like, you Oh, that was consensual. Or or was from somebody else. The blood test, like I said, showed that Candy had been given Versed, which is a drug that is commonly used in what's called conscious sedation. So basically, if you like dislocate something in the ER, the way that they pop it back in like a shoulder, they give you Versed because you're still awake, but your brain literally makes it so your brain literally makes it so that you don't remember the pain. I would hope so. So you're awake the whole time. Mm -hmm. And I have watched people and performed this procedure on people, people, and they are fucking screaming their brains out it's terrifying my sister was one of them and then it they come to and they have zero recollection so it's got the amnesic effect because it prevents any short-term memories from being formed so it's really crazy so you're still awake but your brain literally doesn't create the memory so it seems like you're unconscious so it's like you're blacked out drunk right yeah essentially okay so it's really it's really a weird drug of choice Mm -hmm. to calm someone down it's not like a valium or anything and Dr. Schneeberger explained and maintained through this investigation that Versed can often cause hallucinations of sexual activity as a side effect. Oh, right. I don't remember learning that, but... Okay, I've never heard that before. I don't know. Anesthesiologists or, or docs or pharmacists, if you want to weigh in on that. So a year later, the police approached Dr. Schneeberger again about doing another DNA test, but this time it would be done under police supervision. How much, how much later did you say? A year. A year. Damn. Once again... The DNA did not match. And it was done under police investigation. So with this, the police ended their investigation in 1994. However, Candy maintained that she had been raped by the doctor. She hired a private investigator, Larry O'Brien, to get a sample of Schneeberger's DNA to be tested in a private lab. But blood is obviously very difficult, and that's how they were getting the sample, was through blood. Like, Uh it was a blood draw. But blood is obviously very difficult to get a sample of without someone knowing, so instead they used his chapstick. Larry broke into the doctor's car and got the chapstick, as well as hair samples. I didn't realize that private investigators could just be wilding out. I didn't either. I mean, obviously it's not, like, applicable in court and stuff, but I guess it's, like, a way to be like, hey. I I did what I had to do. Uh, so Larry broke into the doctor's car and got the chapstick and hair samples, and then they sent the DNA out from that to the lab. And it was a match to the semen sample. Okay. I was wholeheartedly prepared for this case to go elsewhere, but... Let's just wait. Shocker. Let's just wait. With this, Candy went after the doctor in civil court, where Dr. Schneeberger again agreed to get DNA, or to get another DNA test done in front of police witnesses. 
The technician attempted to draw blood from the doctor's finger, but he insisted that it be taken from his arm. The technician was skeptical, but agreed. However, she had a lot of difficulty getting blood from the vein, even though the vein was engorged. If you don't know, when someone is drawing your blood or inserting an IV, you'll often notice that the nurse or the tech will like tap the vein. And that's to see how like open it is, if you will. And that'll tell you if you're gonna be able to like insert the needle in there without the vein itself like collapsing. And that way it like has somewhere to go and won't just like poke through the vein. I literally just said that. So for something so bouncy and engorged, it was weird that they weren't able to get the sample. Does that make sense? Uh, no, I know it, that they like yeah. put the tourniquet on and then they like tap, tap, tap. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when it's bouncy, that means it's full of blood and it's going to stay right. open when you insert the needle. Yeah, no, and I a lot of times it has to do with like your hydration status and all that. Yeah, because homegirl always got her blood drawn at the gyno and they had to prick me like seven yeah. times because I'm dehydrated ass. <laughs> I have veins of a champion to be completely honest. And I actually remember did I say that this was a forensic files episode? Yes, you did. Okay. I actually remember the video surveillance of the technician talking about the blood in the sample and she's like this is real like I've never seen blood look like this. Like this looks really weird. So, the the little blood that they did get, once again, wasn't a match. So, with this, the case, again, fell apart. I want to talk about John Schneeberger, though. I don't have a whole lot on him. John was born in 1961 in northern Rhodesia, which is now Zambia. And he received his medical degree at Stellenbosch University in South Africa. In 1987, he moved to Canada and began his career as a physician at the Kipling Medical Center and in 1991, he married Lisa Dillman, who who had two children from her previous marriage. And then he and Lisa had two additional children. That's all I got about him, which is all he really deserves. That's all he needs. So now we're in April 1997, almost five years after the rape. John's 15-year-old stepdaughter came forward stating oh. that John had been injecting her at night before raping her on numerous occasions. Oh. She reported him to police, and once again, he was given a DNA sample but this time, multiple swabs were taken from different areas. So blood, a mouth swab, and a hair follicle. And all three matched Candy Fonagy's rape kit. Shocker. So how did these previous blood samples not match? So it turns out, in 1992, when he was first accused of the rape, he inserted a 15 centimeter, so that's five inches, a 15 centimeter Penrose drain into his left arm containing another man's blood plus anticoagulants to prevent it from degrading too much. So an anticoagulant is what prevents it from clotting. That's why he was so adamant that the blood be drawn from that arm and that location, and it's also why it was so difficult for the technician to get the blood draw, because after two plus years, the blood had pretty much run out and it was old. So he, like, left this in his arm. Oh. And if you watch the video on Forensic File, it shows him, like, rolling his sleeve up. And, you know, like, when you're getting your blood dry, you just, like, shove that shit up. He's, like, very meticulously rolling it up above his uh, elbow so that you can't see, like, this obvious tube in his arm. And he had that in his arm. The whole time. Because, I mean, why keep that in your arm for so long? I don't really know. I th That's true, but I guess he was like, she's not going to stop. So maybe he was like... Just kept it. Just kept there. it. I don't really know. Now we're in the trial. So during the trial, John... It, sorry, my dog has to yak. She's done that since she was little. I don't know. It's like coughing up a hairball. Piper does it all the time. You're crazy. 
No, we're not throwing the toy. So during the trial, John admitted to inserting the tube of blood into his arm, but he stated it was in self-defense. He said Candy had broken into his home and stolen a used condom from him and then framed him. What? Okay. Thankfully, the jury didn't believe his story, and he was convicted of both injecting someone with a noxious substance and raping the two women. The College of Physicians of Saskatchewan stripped him of his medical license, Lisa divorced him, and she reported him to the immigration authorities. Yes, we love a boss, bitch. <laughs> I know. I was like, I love you. So drum roll, please. What was he sentenced to? Seven years. Six years Fuck. in prison. But he was paroled of course after he was. four. In 2003... He was released from prison, stripped of his Canadian citizenship, and deported to Zambia because he'd obtained his citizenship illegally as well. When he applied for it in 1993, which was when it was granted, he lied to a Canadian citizenship judge stating he was not the subject of a police investigation. So the whole time, his citizenship had technically been obtained illegally. However, some people always show their true colors, and his friends had a letter-writing campaign to the immigration minister, urging them to reverse his deportation orders so he could say goodbye to his biological daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you I know. want like a million dollars, but can't get what you mm-hmm. want. And they won. Are you? Mm-hmm. This world hates women. Lisa was forced to allow the girls, who are now five and six, to see him. Personally, if I was a man's daughter who was accused of raping right, my stepsister and another woman, I would be like, I kind of don't want to see I you. I want them to like, stay away. <clears throat> anyway, so he alleged, oh, and allegedly his friends threw him a going away party and he held a garage sale to get rid of things prior to the move. He moved to Durban with his mother and literally applied to the Health Professions Council of South Africa to work in medicine less than three weeks after he arrived. Was he approved? The council was considering his application when he suddenly withdrew it in mid-October. And I read somewhere that he was not welcomed in Africa, and while he was known as Dr. John in Canada, he was known as Dr. Rape in Africa. Good. His brother, a cardiac surgeon, attempted to help John get back on his feet medically and maintained that his brother was innocent of the charges. While living in South Africa, he took up work in the catering industry and has basically fallen off the radar. Now, Candy, afterwards, she filed civil suits against the doctor and the Kipling Medical Hospital, where he treated her, and there is really no info on how these legal suits played out. She works as a continuing care assistant for addiction services facility in Saskatchewan. Just a fun fact, Paul Dowling, who is the executive producer of Forensic Files, says he's a fan of hers, and her episode is his favorite of all 400. And that is the story of Candy Fonagy and Dr. Schneeberger, now I guess known as Dr. Dr. Rape. Rape. I thought the case was going to go, he was setting her up for someone else like he, to rape her. That's where I thought it was going. Like, he was definitely injecting her oh, like to he, help someone else And then that's why it was like, well, it didn't match him because he right, wasn't. because yeah. he wasn't the one. No, it was him. That, that is the case this week. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. As always, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow me on Instagram at that's insane underscore pod and TikTok at that's underscore insane underscore podcast. And I think that's all I got. Oh, and if you have any true crime cases 
weird medical cases, or just weird shit in general that you want me to look into, send it to thatsinsanepodcast at gmail.com. Till then, I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.